Defense, swarm, swarm attack, attack. We gotta block them, we gotta out tackle them, we gotta out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. All right, welcome in, ladies no and gents. It is. R.J. Bell's Dream Preview, the college football edition. I am A.J. Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg. This is week nine of the college football season, and we are ready to put in our picks in this William Hill College Football Contest. Uh, good week last week, relatively good week, five and three. Uh, we are hanging around we need a we need a big week or two to really put us in the mix for the for the cash right now what we're 30 30 and 26 yeah uh so we need a couple seven and ones eight and o's if we're going to cash uh winner there's still a lot of time leader right now is 40 and 16 but it's only one person one guy yeah Yeah. so i listen i'm just the majority of the pool if you're looking (laughs) at the current william hill standings there's one person that has 40 wins one person that's got 39, and then it's like the majority of the pool has like 36. So that's only six wins ahead of us. I think we can gain ground, like you said, if we have a couple of big weeks. We're still we still have plenty of, of, of weeks to go left in this contest. All right, let's jump into this week's games. Uh, coming off, like I said, a five and three week. How do we do on the actual pod? My pod picks were two and two. I know that. Um, we didn't get to play a lot of your games from the Mm-mm. pod. So uh, line value, et cetera, just didn't work out our way. So, Pretty sure Syracuse and the over in Houston were like my only winners. Yeah, Syrac- Syracuse was a, a good call by you, a bad call for us to pull it off the contest. Yeah, we, we were a little bothered by the line movement in the market compared to the contest line. Uh, but, yeah, Syracuse should have stayed on there. All right, let's jump into this week's games. I'll give you the honors. Go ahead and kick it off here, Scott Seidenberg. I'm going to go with the number one defense in the country, and that's the Illinois Fighting Illini. Yeah, we're going to go with the Illini on the road laying a touchdown against Corn. Uh, number one defense in the country allowing just 8.9 points per game. Get this, AJ. They've only allowed five touchdowns in seven games played. That's it. That's impressive. Five touchdowns to the opponent's offense. They allow 221 yards per game, 3.78 yards per play. Both rank number one in the country. And while Nebraska has admittedly shown signs of life after firing Scott Frost, they don't do a lot of things well. They struggle against the run. 190 rushing yards per game. That's bottom of the Big Ten. And who's the running back for Illinois? Chase Brown, the nation's leading Rusher. Nebraska has the 124th ranked defense in yards per game. And I just think it's going to be very hard for them to compete when they can't get Illinois off the field. The game plan is simple. Hand the ball off to the nation's leading rusher and watch him just chew apart this Nebraska defense. Do I think Nebraska keeps it close at times? Possibly. But when Illinois is playing with a lead in the fourth quarter and you can't stop the run and stop the clock, how are you going to come back in this game? I just don't see it. To me, this is a fade of Nebraska's defense, and it's all about the legs of Chase Brown. I'm going with Illinois. Only thing that worries me is 
teams don't blow out Nebraska. Like Nebraska, every big t- and everybody beats Nebraska, <laughs> but they don't beat them by more than a touchdown. The only like in the last ten Big Ten losses, Ohio State beat them by more than seven. That's the only team, mm-hmm. and they beat them by nine. Like it, it, they just find a way to hang around and lose close games. Uh, Nebraska was actually close to making my card, so this is one that I am against you on, and I, I will say. The, on the positive side, you're probably at seven. You're probably right. The market's pushing outside of seven now. It's mm. almost all seven and a halfs. Um, I, I, if that's the way it's going to be, then clearly it, it might, we may be looking at eight or something by kickoff. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't. Nebraska's they're hanging around with everybody. I don't get it because they stink. The only team that's blowing them out this year is Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was when Oklahoma, before Oklahoma was trash can Oklahoma. They're just a tough team to get rid of for some reason. I, I I don't understand it totally. I thought it was a Scott Frost thing, but here they were last week against Purdue, hanging around to the, the bitter end. I just don't see how they score against this Illinois defense. This is a special year for Brett Bielema's team. They, they're staring down that Michigan game in Ann Arbor on November 19th with a legitimate chance to represent uh, the West in the Big Ten championship game and battle Ohio State in Indiana for that title. Yeah, I, they're, they're just they're, their defense is legit. They remind me of Iowa. They're, they're I, orange Iowa is but what they But they run are. the ball so much better. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't deny. Look, you can't deny what Chase Brown has done. He is the leading receiver the leading rusher in the country. What McKenzie asked a good question. What do you think about the team total under for Nebraska, 21 and a half? I like it. I don't think, yeah. Illinois only allowed five touchdowns all year. Now they're going to allow three in one game yeah. or four in one game. No, I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you. I think this is a very low scoring game. I think this game could end up looking a lot like the game with maybe not quite as ugly as the Iowa Illinois game the 9 to 6 or was it 12 to 6 or 9 to something like that it was a a field goal kicking battle uh but I do think this is a close game so I, and on the road uh, laying a touchdown with with Illinois with a, a let's say this isn't a great offense period like you, we could say well they're running mm-hmm. the ball well I mean, they haven't played they're off the only good defense they played against was Iowa and they couldn't move the ball either so it was basically like that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing back and yeah. forth at each other. Like you do have Illinois; they're 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 rested. They're coming off a week off. Yes. So that's how you travel on the road, right? What do we say? Road teams after buys in the NFL. That's the time where it's less of a disadvantage when you go on the road, right? So I think this is the right time to back Illinois as a road favorite. All right, for my first crack at things, I'm going to go out to the Pac-12. I like it. And I'm going to go. <laughs> you like going out to the Pac 12? I love, I love the Pac 12. Uh, I'm going to go with the Arizona State Sun Devils, minus 13 and a half at Colorado. And at first glance, it's like, oh, you really want to lay 13 and a half with the Sun Devils, huh? Uh, not really. But Colorado is back to being Colorado. Colorado got, they fired Carl Durrell, then they got that one week bounce. That was enough to get them their first and let's face it, probably their last win yeah. well, against yes. Cal a couple yes, weeks their last ago. Win. Just just you can say it. They're their only one of the season. So they win that game. And then one of the one of the only few one of the few winnable games, like games where they're not gonna be 
two touchdown dogs mm-hmm. left on their schedule. Oregon State, oh, no. They lose by 33 points. Lay an absolute egg. Um, the Cal win was not only Colorado's only win this season. It's also their only time they've covered this year. They they have not been competitive. Outside of that game, they are 0-6 ATS with a minus 10 cover margin. And this spread, 13 and a half, this is a tie for the shortest dog they've been all year. And Arizona State, they got more than a one-week bounce from hi- from firing Herm Edwards. It feels like that really changed yeah. who they were. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, obviously, there's the rumblings in the program that nobody wanted Herm around. Uh, they they bullied Washington. I was at that game. I like they were pushing around Washington. I thought it was going to be a, a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. No, they beat Washington. Uh, they hung around with USC. And they should have beat Stanford last week. If you look at the box score, Stanford is a, they stole that game. Sun Devils have covered three straight now after starting one and three ATS. And Emory Jones got knocked out with a concussion in that uh, Washington game. And who'd they bring in? Trenton Bourget, who's like a seven on seven legend. (laughs) And he finished off that win, looked really good. They went back to Emory Jones against Stanford, looked a little less good. Mm. What's the coach say? We might use both quarterbacks. Smart. It, but if if we're struggling, we're going to be quick on the draw. We're going to get Borgay in there. We're going to see what he can do. I like it. Uh, the offense has looked solid with him running it. So I, there should be plenty of success running the ball against Colorado. Colorado ranks 130th in rushing yards allowed out of 131. Colorado ranks 125th in total defense. They have allowed the fourth most or fifth most touchdowns in college football. Is that 36. good? 36 opponent touchdowns they have allowed this season. That doesn't seem good. <laughs> I, I think the Buffs are just a dead team. Uh, and I think the Sun Devils, since the Herm Edwards firing, have, have been fighting. So I, I like Arizona State here. I think Colorado hangs around for a little while. Uh, and then Arizona State starts to pull away in the second half. Arizona State minus 13 and a half. I'm going to stick in the Pac-12, and I'm going to bet against the other Arizona school. I'm going with USC. Heavy road favorites laying 15. I just find it hard to fathom a world in which USC does not win this game by 20-plus points. Arizona has allowed 35 opponents' touchdowns this year. That's one more than Colorado. That's one less than Colorado. Mm. And we just talked about how bad Colorado is on defense. Arizona, the sixth most touchdowns allowed in the country. They allowed 49 points last week to Washington, 49 points to Oregon. Pencil in the Trojans for a 50 burger. All right. We're just going to be safe at that. USC, they had a week off to kind of stew in that loss to Utah. Now they look at their schedule ahead of them. And they can still make the Pac-12 title game. They need to win out, and they need Utah to lose to Oregon, which is very possible that game's in Eugene. This is the start of three cupcake wins before the Trojans gear up for that UCLA game. The mission is simple. I'm not saying that it's you can't overlook anybody, but you got to set yourself up to be in a position to make the conference championship game. And to do that, you run through these next three opponents, which are Arizona, Cal, and Colorado, before you have that matchup with USC on November 19th. With UCLA. Uh, UCLA on November 19th. 
This game is going to get real ugly real fast. USC's offensive line has been playing great. Arizona doesn't get any penetration on the offensive line. Their defensive line doesn't get to the quarterback. So Caleb Williams is going to have all day to throw the football against a defense that allows 330-something passing yards per game. I think this is... I would even look at a USC team total, but it's going to be really high because the total in this game is, what, 76, I think, is the total in this game. And, yeah, Arizona was able to score against Washington. They put up 39 points against Washington. I don't think USC lets that happen. I think Lincoln Riley coming after that uh, that first loss, they've had a week now to sit on it. This is a spot where USC runs up the score big. On Arizona. I like this one. Um, I probably would have played this one, but I didn't want to have two big favorites on my card, and I already had Arizona State. So uh, you'll get no pushback from me on this one. I think Arizona is just dreadful. Like, if it weren't for Colorado, we'd be talking a lot more about how bad Arizona is. Uh, All right. My next game, I am going to go to the fun belt. Old Dominion plus three and a half at Georgia State. And I don't totally get why this line is what it is. Old Dominion, a week ago, was coming off a win over Coastal Carolina. They were the toast of the town. Everybody mm-hmm. said, oh, Old Dominion, they, they might win the conference. <laughs> they lose the game next week. Not a surprise. You're coming off a big pro- program win. You lose by five points to Georgia Southern. Okay, you're now 2-1 and one in conference, but... You're still in control of your own destiny in the Sunbelt East. Except now you're like a you're a big dog to Georgia State, who's like bottom of the conference. Three and a half points. I, I don't get this. Um, Old, Old Dominion sold out to stop the run against Georgia Southern, and Kyle Van Treese was just really effective. You got to give him credit. Uh, he was 22 of 27. That supplemented the run game. That was enough to, to hold Old Dominion off last week. Georgia State doesn't have that. They are a – they're basically like Army or Navy. They're 65% run, and they, they're heavy run for good reason. They are 115th in completion percentage. They throw a pick on 3.5% of their <laughs> pass attempts, putting them 100th nationally in interception rate. They are sacked on 8% of their dropbacks. Old Dominion, top 10 in sack percentage nationally. Old Dominion still wins the East if they win out. State currently sitting in last place. This number makes no sense to me. Old Dominion plus three and a half on the road at Georgia State. Georgia State, 114th ranked defense in the country. Yeah. And Old Dominion can chuck it around now. There they can go. chuck it around. Where are you headed for pick two? Okay. Oh, excuse uh, me, pick three. Yeah, back to the Big Ten. And uh, we're going to go with... Michigan State plus 22 against This feels Michigan. a lot like me picking Iowa last week. Like, okay, here's the bad team. It does. All we need them to do is score like 10 points. Here's the situation. This is the season for the Spartans. This game. There's no other game that matters. They could be 0-11 or 0-10. This is the one game that matters. Whatever happens from here on out, Forget it. Michigan State's won back-to-back games versus, quote, Big Brother. (laughs) They've won three of the last five meetings against, quote, Big Brother. In fact, since Harbaugh took over in 2015, 
The margin of victory in this matchup, it's 10. But that's skewed by one Michigan blowout in 2019. It's a 34-point Michigan win. The other games since Jim Harbaugh took over, the margins have been 4, 3, 4, 14, 9, 4. 22 points in this rivalry game is way too much, especially when you have a coach in Mel Tucker that has possibly figured out how to beat Jim Harbaugh. Three out of five is no fluke. Winning back-to-back games is no fluke. And Michigan State comes in with confidence, having that win over Wisconsin before their bye week. And Michigan, as good as they've been, you can throw on them. And I think that Michigan State comes in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, thinking that this is their opportunity to play the spoiler role for Michigan. It doesn't matter what happens in any other game. This is a lost year for Michigan State. There's been a lot of lost years for Michigan State. But you play a competitive game and pull an upset over Michigan, they're they're – they're giving you a contract extension in East Lansing. Yeah, 2016, Michigan State was a 24-and-a-half-point dog, lost by nine. 2020, Michigan State was a 21-and-a-half-point dog, won the won game out. outright. So I don't hate this, man. I, I'm, I'm very, very anti-Michigan State, and I – and probably higher than just about everybody on Michigan. Like I know everybody talks about Michigan like they're an afterthought. They can't play with Ohio State. I think they can. Um, but this rivalry just continues to produce close games. Like it's, there's some some of these rivalry games when you when that's like you said this you can make throw their the records out the window in a rivalry game like this because this is, listen this is a lost season for Michigan State already. Absolutely, Michigan State had high expectations. They're not going to meet them. Mel Tucker is already like Mel Tucker's got a brand new contract and he's already on the hot seat. Like, but he wins this game. This can they'll get, forget about everything. Yeah, people forget about it. That, so, and that's the reason why he's gotten a contract extension. He's won three out of five. Yeah, three. He's won three times in the last five years against Michigan. Yeah, that'll keep you around. I don't. I don't hate this one at all. Um, it's scary, you know, because you're betting on a bad team for sure. But Absolutely, is, uh, I'm betting on a bad team, but it's a rivalry game, and I have three touchdowns worth of room. Yeah, just reminds me. It just reminds me of Iowa last week. That's all. Sure. Uh, all right, I'm going to go to the SEC for my last two plays. Oh, good. I got an SEC play. For my let's, last play. let's get SEC. Uh, I'm going to go with South Carolina. Minus three and a half. Some would say that's a cocky pick. That is a very cocky pick. And I'm going to tell you right now, I expect South Carolina to turn the ball over. That's what they do. Luckily, so does Missouri. <laughs> they're, they're tied for 121st in giveaways per game. Both these teams can't hold on to the ball. The difference right now, though, is turnovers are costing, they're costing Missouri games. They escaped from Van- from Vanderbilt despite turning it over four times. They turned it over three times in the loss to Florida. And f- don't forget, they lost in overtime to Auburn on a fumble. Like, they just cannot take care of the football. South Carolina is totally different team on defense right now than they were early in the year. 
Last weekend was the first game since week one that they had all their starters in the game. Like this is just it's been a mash unit, like tons of starters missing time. So against AM, they had everybody well, look pretty damn good. They are this is the other thing, and this is gonna sound silly. Just bear with me. South Carolina may have the best special teams in the country. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Their coach, Shane Beamer, maybe you've heard of something called Beamer Ball. Beamer Ball. Where you prioritize special teams. You have your starters playing special teams. They take pride in special teams. Well, it's working out for them. They lead the nation in block punts at five. Two of them have gone back for touchdowns. Mm. They started off the game against A&M last week, much to the chagrin of my under 100-yard kickoff return. So the, the special teams is legit. Things are changing right now at South Carolina. They are confident. They're ranked for the first time in a long time. This is their first four-game winning streak since 2013. Wow. I think they make it five against – listen, I don't think they blow Mizzou out of the water. This is a gritty team. They're very much like I or like uh, Nebraska. They're hanging around in a lot of games where you think they should be blown out. They find a way to hang around, but they're just not explosive. And this South Carolina defense right now is playing at such a high level. I like the Cox minus three and a half. Uh, I have no objection because I don't like Missouri at all. So I'll take that home team at a short price. Absolutely. Okay, I'm staying in the SEC. Black jerseys, Neyland Stadium, national championship aspirations. I'm not stepping in front of that, are you? Yeah, it's Tennessee was a team that I, like, this is, again, sort of a rivalry game, though. Like, this is one of those games that you're going to get, and especially now, you're going to get Kentucky's best effort. Sure. But this is a Tennessee team that is absolutely buzzing right now. The atmosphere at that stadium, you thought, they were raucous against Alabama with that win. Now you throw a little number three next to the team. You throw the nationally televised game at prime time with the special black jerseys that they're unveiling. This stadium is going to be so hyped up. These players are going to be so hyped up. They average 50 points per game, 571 yards of offense per game. Hendon Hooker's thrown 18 touchdowns to just one interception. For all of Tennessee's struggles on defense, which honestly I can kind of accept because when your offense scores as quickly as they do, your defense is going to be on the field a lot. But for all their struggles, they rank 13th in the country in red zone defense. They allow a touchdown less than half the time the opponent gets within the 25-yard line. Kentucky, I'm sure, is going to move the ball up and down the field against Tennessee. Tennessee's going to bend, but they're not going to break. And field goals aren't going to cut it against the Vols, who are going to pencil them in for over 40 points in this game. So I'm going to ride with the home emotion here with the crowd in their favor, and I think Tennessee wins this one by two touchdowns or more. Let me – I'm going to throw this – I'm not against this pick, but I'm going to say something that you should certainly think about before you put your money on this pick. Next week they're at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the most important game on their schedule. But that game means nothing if they lose this game. 
if they lose this game, you're right, but they got to cover 12 and a half points. Yeah, I don't think that in the heat of this game, with the crowd the way they're going to be, with the expectations now on them for what they can do this season, they want to send a message to Georgia next week that it's not going to be a pushover. They want to send a message that they're the best team in the SEC East. They want to send a message that they're the best team in the country. There is real expectations now on this Tennessee team, and I think they live up to them. Yeah, this is – I mean, it, honestly, it's the same reason. The The reason I won't bet on Tennessee this game is the same reason I won't bet on Georgia against Florida, even though I think Georgia absolutely smashes Florida. I don't know how Florida stops them. But just having ha, – uh, when you're playing your rivalry game, and Tennessee and Kentucky are rivals, Georgia and Florida are rivals, when you're playing that game before a game that means yeah. a lot more. Well, the difference is the Georgia spreads 23. Right. And and here, if we win this game by thir- – if Tennessee wins this game by 13, you know, you're looking pretty good. Yep. Yeah. All right. I am going to stay in the SEC for my last pick, and I am going to fade Auburn, Arkansas, Pig, minus three and a half. And – this is just a terrible matchup on paper for the Pigs. They are the worst team in the SEC against the run. They are 127th nationally against the run. What does Arkansas do? They run the damn <laughs> ball, especially now that K.J. Jefferson is healthy. He missed the Mississippi State game, and he ran a lot less than usual against BYU last week. I think that was by design. Well, and it also helped that the running backs absolutely shredded BYU. But what we did see, KJ Jefferson saying, I'm going to rest my wheels a little bit. I'll test out this arm. Oh, how about 367 yards and five touchdowns against BYU for KJ? The caveat with Arkansas, their defense is bad, especially against the air. The good news is, Auburn quarterback Robbie Ashford might be the worst Power 5 quarterback in the country. (laughs) PFF grades him as the worst Power 5 passer that's taken at least 20% of the snaps for the season. And then Auburn's only conference win this season was by three over Mizzou at home. I just think Arkansas is on a different level. They looked confident last week against BYU. I think it was a relief for them to get out of that real tough part of their schedule where it was – you know, A&M, Alabama, Mississippi State without their quarterback three in a row. I think they were just – they needed a get-right game. They got it. I think their confidence is back, and I think they are just running the ball at an elite level. Auburn has no answers for it. So I like Arkansas minus three and a half against Auburn. So there's our eight, and our boy Uncle Dave, Dave Essler, with a best bet as well. He's on the Nittany Lions. Oh, boy, he's fading Ohio State. He's Hopefully he's better off than I was. Let's hear what Dave's got to say. I bet Penn State plus 15.5 points over Ohio State. And, yes, Ohio State beat Iowa by 44 points. But they forced Ohio committed six turnovers. Iowa went one for 13 on third downs. Uh, because it's Iowa, I think that was almost predictable. I mean, Ohio State, they can put it in cruise control until they play Michigan in a month. But – Cruise control and covering spreads are not the same thing. Penn State is the 13th-ranked team in the nation. However, the Lions barely beat Purdue, didn't impress against Northwestern, were eventually blown up by Michigan. So, yeah, let's lay two touchdowns with OSU. I don't think so. Remember, this is the shortest line Ohio State's been favored by all season. 
The only other one that was even close was the Irish, and they didn't cover that game. So with that said, I'm liking the Lions here, and I'm jumping in front of that speeding bullet. I cannot overlook the fact that Penn State's a one-loss team that's going to be heavily favored in all their games going forward. So a win could move them way up the ladder in the rankings. So they got every reason to play their total asses off. I mean, Ohio State is who they are. But the best team by far they played is Notre Dame. According to team rankings, and on paper, Ohio State's played the 13th toughest schedule. Well, I don't know what paper they're reading from. Ohio State's played Iowa, Michigan State, Arkansas State, and Toledo. And let's not forget what team is eighth in the nation in points per play, third in opponent's pass completion percentage. Subtle hint, it's not Ohio State. Again, it's not Ohio State. It's Penn State. And Ohio State hasn't beaten Penn State by 16 points in seven years. Give me the Lions and the 15 and a half points. Yeah. That feels a lot, again, feels a lot like uh, getting in the way of a, a charging bull in Ohio State here. But 15 and a half points, it's kind of like your Michigan uh, Michigan State play. It just feels like that's a lot of points in a game where this is, you know, the, this is the game of the year for Penn State at this point. Sure. Well, coming off the loss against Michigan and the way that they lost, it was good for them to bounce back against Minnesota. But I worry about that fourth quarter against Michigan the way that they just allowed that game to get out of hand. If that happens here against Ohio State and the game is, you know, uh, 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 the game's out of hand and then Ohio State just scores more at the end, it could get ugly. You know, Dave made a really good point there, though, in that audio. And he said the best team that the best team that Ohio State's played so far this year is Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, they were all out to beat Notre Dame. Like it, it, this could be we've, we're all in awe of Ohio State's offense. Well, yeah, they're playing Arkansas State and uh, and Toledo. So yeah, their offense looks pretty awesome. But this is this is really the biggest test that's been put in front of them this year. And also, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be on a play limit. Yeah, I don't even want to hear about him. Okay, <laughs> I, you know, I, like I factored him into a handicap three weeks ago. I think that yeah. he was supposed to be back, and he, they're listen, they're they're lying about when when he's going to be back. How much? I, I don't believe anything they say at this point. So I'll believe in Jackson Smith and Jigba when I see him. Until then, I, I no, it's the CJ Stroud show. Uh, and this is a good a good chance for him to have some Heisman moments. Let's go to our totals. Uh, you want to start with your total? Yeah, I'll throw mine out there. I'm going to go and listen. I normally don't like to bet pit overs because, as you know, I think Keaton Slovis kind of stinks. <laughs> uh, however, what what will make you right when you stink is going against North Carolina's secondary. They can they can make you look a lot better than you are. Pitt should put up. They should have put up a bigger number last week against Louisville. Uh, they got it like inside the 47 times and did nothing. Mm. Got three points, I think, out of it. Uh, they and it, they were turning the ball over every time they crossed midfield. Just a disaster on offense. But they've run the ball well this year. Israel uh, Ab- Abinikanat Abinin- oh, Boy, I'm going to struggle with this. Abinikanda Israel Abinikanda. I don't know why I can't say that guy's name. Averaging over six yards a carry. UNC. They rank ahead of only Colorado and Auburn in rushing yards allowed amongst P5 teams. Look at me. I'm, I'm going up against all these bad run defenses. Drake May, sixth graded passer per PFF in the country. When you add in that UNC plays at a top 15 pace, I think we get a ton of points here. So Pitt, North Carolina over 
64 and a half. Okay. I was going to go with the SMU Tulsa over 64, but Tanner Mordecai's um, status for this week is uncertain. Concussion protocol. He's in Tanner. concussion protocol. Uh, he's day-to-day. Um, Preston Stone came in and uh, almost rallied SMU from a 15-point deficit. So I'm, I'm sure he can run this offense. And if you want to make this a bonus pick, make it a bonus pick. The reason why I was on it is I was just going to pick on both of these defenses. SMU is 109th in total defense, 122nd in rush defense. Tulsa, 90th in total defense, 128th in rushing defense, 119th in scoring defense. These are two horrific defenses. So I was going to pick on that and go with the Tulsa over. Obviously, without Tanner Mordecai, I feel very uh, concerned. But Memphis is off this week. What am I going to do? I know what you're going to do. Well, could I go Houston? (laughs) Because it's either Memphis or Houston every week. You know this by now, guys. Houston, South Florida, total is 61. That's a high total. Houston's 17.5-point favorites in this game. Yeah, South Florida's really bad. South Florida's really bad. And that's the thing. I like Jerry Bohannon as a quarterback. But can I rely on South Florida to put up 20-something points, 30-something points? Houston's going to get 30 in this game. Can South Florida get 30 as well? I I don't know if I can trust it. I'll stay in the American, though, okay? Because America is for lovers and overs. Okay. Central Florida, Cincinnati, over 56. These are two offenses that average well over 30 points per game. UCF is scoring 37.3 points per game. Cincinnati, 36.9 points per game. You want to talk yards? Let's talk yards. Cincinnati averages 427 yards of offense. UCF, 511 yards of offense. Both of these teams move the football. This is going to be a back-and-forth affair where the, the spread is a pick This is anybody's ball game. And this is Give me be- some overtime, then. We could absolutely have overtime. I think this is going to be a back and forth, one punch, one punch, one punch. Uh, Bryant came back last week for Cincinnati, the quarterback. So he was in concussion protocol, but he came back against SMU, threw for 200 yards and um, no scores, but threw for 200 yards and and completed 51% of his passes. This, this is two offenses that are capable of scoring, two defenses I don't exactly trust. I think we have a tight game. I think we have like a 27, you know, this could be this could be 27 all in the fourth quarter. That's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. That work. That we could have I think easily these teams score three touchdowns each and then a couple of field goals in there. Maybe we get to overtime, but uh I would not be surprised if this thing is played into the 60s. All right. Well, guys, if you want more uh from us, you want more from McKenzie, you want his NBA stuff, you want Steve Fezzik's NFL stuff. You want Scott's NHL. Which what's your, what's your uh, start off in the NHL here? Mm, Sixteen and five. Man, yeah, I'm very upset about those five. Yeah, it's just terrible. Like just hitting that you know cool seventy seven percent. It's got to be hard times. Uh, but if you want more of that, go to pregame.com and use the code Rival twenty Rival two zero. It's simple. You just put that in at, the, at your checkout. You save 20% off anything. It could be a weekender package. It could be a uh, a season-long package. It could be a, a 30-day package, whatever you're looking for. I recommend getting the packages, the long-term packages, because they, you know, it, it, you're going to get a better sample, and you're going to save more money. That's the thing about these percents. You save more money. Rival 20, get in it. 
Get after it. Uh, good job this week, Scott. I am looking forward to this. Like you said, we need a big one uh, to, to keep us in this thing. As far as my last man standing pick went with Baylor last mm-hmm. week, got me to the win. I went three weeks in a row fading Kansas in last man standing. Wow. TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor. Got the job done three three times in a row. So um, I don't know where I'm going to go this week. The, the numbers will come out tomorrow. I'll know how many people are left. There were 40 coming into the week. If the Will Hill contest is any indication, and Fez says it was, he says that it was a bloodbath for people who took CLV games. So I am hoping that there's some people who said, oh, West Virginia, look at all this closing line value I'm getting. And then they got drubbed. That's what I'm hoping mm. for. So he's was Fez set the number at 17 and a half over under 17 and a half. So I'd be happy if it's anywhere around there. Uh, but contrary to what Fez tells me, I'm starting to get excited about it. Like it feels like there's a real possibility to do something there. So, but also there's no, uh, you know, there's no second place payout. No. Uh, and I just got my heart broken in NFL Survivor, finishing second place in a winner-take-all contest. So uh, I'm hopeful, hopeful that I can last another week this week. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'll post it up there on Listen, just Saturday. survive. Don't worry about everybody else. Just survive every week for the rest of the season. And if you wind up splitting the prize, congratulations. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll certainly take it. All right. That will do it for the show. Thank you guys for listening. Uh you want to hear more of us? You want to hear more uh, up-to-the-minute college football stuff? You want to hear about the Maction games? You want to hear about the Sunbelt games that are going on during the week? American midweek games? Check us out on Straight Out of Vegas AM. You can find that on your podcast feed. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas AM. Subscribe to us there. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell whoever. Tell your neighbor. Put put like a uh, make a little card and put it in his mailbox. Say hey, listen to Straight Out of Vegas AM could be cool uh anyway for scott seidenberg i'm aj hoffman we will talk to you next week good luck guys defense swarm swarm and tackle attack we get out block them we get out tackle them we get out hit them and hustle it's real simple you out block them you out tackle them you out hit them and you out hustle let them know leave no doubt tonight leave no doubt tonight no doubt